is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 494, recorded on Monday, August the 24th, 2020. All right. All right. So, Jason, I sometimes ask you how you're doing at the beginning of these episodes, but I think this week I know how you're doing because you're on vacation this week. I am on vacation this week. I'm very excited about being on vacation this week. We're going away to a cottage for a few days uh, in the morning. And, uh, we're coming back and then my son is, uh, all done with his daycare and he's staying home with us until he starts school in the fall. Right. Uh, and they, kinda, I don't know if they're screwing us over, but they're kind of delaying start of school. I don't know if your daughters are going through that, but the first week he goes for a day for orientation. And the second week he only goes for two days and then he starts full time after that. So he's going to be home with us for a while, which is nice. So it, it, it feels good have him home all the time again? Well, I know you guys struggled a lot while he was home when everything was totally shut down, right? But now that was sort of un, unannounced or you were, you weren't prepared for it maybe, right? But maybe now you're yeah. prepared, so it's not as big a deal? Yeah, except that uh, he's dropped his nap, so he's uh, kind of ah. cranky and ornery all afternoon. So now we got to deal with that while we're working. So this is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But no, my, my kids are involved in, in, uh, the, the delay of starting school as well. Uh, only by a week though. So they're, they're pushing it back a week. I think they're using that time to finalize preparations for how school is going to, how much school is going to be different, you know, to start this year with, with, yeah. uh, different class sizes and, social distancing and everybody wearing masks and just differences to how it all works right now, uh, to try to get everybody back to school safely. So that's happening, you know, school starting in the middle of September instead of right after Labor Day this, yeah. uh, this year. I just, uh, I think collectively as a society, our school boards all had a pucker moment of, oh shit, we need a little more time here. Uh, <laughs> let's delay it by a week. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the school boards all figure out their own plan of attack for this, right? Uh, my kids are in the Toronto District School Board. Your son would be in a different one. Durham Region Catholic School Board. Catholic School Board. Well, they yeah, all... Catholic School, yeah. They all figure it out differently. So um, what might be happening for him isn't necessarily happening for my girls, but it sounds like it's similar. Uh, but yeah, so, so that is the thing that is happening. Uh, but we still have a week or two of summer to wind down <laughs> towards school yep. here. Uh, but it's nice that you're off for a week and going away and out of town, getting up to a lake. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend some time on a lake. It's going to be nice. It's going to be just down maybe a couple of kilometers away from uh, an artillery range of some kind. We hear booming when we're up there. Ooh, fun. <laughs> I think it, it might be uh, either artillery or uh, mechanized, you know, tanks. Well, that sounds exciting. So yeah, it's fun. And maybe a little scary. No, I'm not scary. Those guys are professionals. They're fine. They know what they're doing. They're course. not going to shoot towards the town, right? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and hopefully they don't have that kind of range, even R though they probably do. Rule number one, guys, shoot away from the town. Yeah. You, you know, you shoot safely down range. Sure. So if I've learned anything from the military, it's always point your weapons down range. 
right? right. <laughs> Not towards the town. <laughs> it's, it's very important. Very important. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's good. Uh, we may get away for the long weekend coming up for Labor Day too. We haven't really finalized any plans, but I would like to get out of the city at least for a night or two, maybe get some lake time in. If we can, we'll, we'll see what happens. Cool. But, but I hope everyone out there, you know, is staying healthy and still taking all the necessary precautions as schools start to reopen and things like that. Whatever is appropriate in your area to stay safe, stay safe, please. Mm -hmm. I hope you're doing it and, uh, you know, keep it, keep it going. Yeah. All right. Well, we are here this week to talk about two more episodes of The Twilight Zone. And I think without further ado, we should get into that. You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into The Twilight Zone. We're actually going to begin with a few emails from people that we received, Jason. And, you know, they're, they're mostly just follow-ups on some other stuff. So... I'm going to start here with a message from Natalie in Detroit, Michigan. Natalie says, I just wanted to say that listening to you guys talk about the terrible Twilight Zone episode is so much more entertaining than the actual episode was. Thank you for all the laughs while I work. <laughs> yeah, and you can choose which terrible episode you're referring to. Well, I believe Natalie is referring to the Giant Squid episode, which was titled Eight. Eight. Yeah. Uh, I personally don't think there has been another one that is, you could describe as terrible, but you know, that's a matter of opinion, I suppose. Oh man. I just got the title. Squids have eight legs. Now you just got the title? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether I got it before and forgot it, but it just occurred to me. Oh yeah. Eight legs. Got it. I got it. Eight. Eight tentacles. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Well, anyways, Natalie, thank you so much for listening. And that is the one episode of season two of The Twilight Zone that I have really disliked. So I'm glad you got some enjoyment out of our podcast about it because there was not a lot to get out of the episode. Now, Tracy on our Facebook page wrote, I had a bad day and I put on your podcast. Just the comforting and familiar sounds of your voices going on about random things put me in a better mood. I've listened for years, so there was definitely a comfort there. However, someone does need to answer for the time I spent watching a Twilight Zone episode. Now, <laughs> I don't know for sure that Tracy is referring to the same episode, number eight, but again, right. it's the only one I've thought was really bad, so I'm going to assume that's what she's talking about. And uh, again, Tracy, I'm delighted to hear that you got some enjoyment out of listening to us when there was nothing to take from uh, that episode of the show. Absolutely. And, you know, to be honest, you don't have to watch the episodes. Right? You don't have to watch them. Just listen to what how we talk about them. I, I have this very same comforting feeling every time a new film sack episode gets uh, put into my queue for listening to. It makes me happy. Uh, it's usually on a Saturday and I put it on and I do dishes or do whatever. I enjoy listening to them. And I rarely watch the movies now. Right. Like especially I've seen a lot of them I've seen before, but it's absolutely not a prerequisite for listening to that podcast. So you don't have to watch them, right? We'd appreciate it if you watched, you know, The Walking Dead, because this <laughs> is a podcast about the TV show, The Walking Dead. I mean, once in a while. Once in a while, at least, yeah. but you don't have to, like we do a, a recap, right? Yeah, that's true. You, yeah, it's more than you get from watching Film Sack. They don't do a recap. They just start talking about it. Sure. No, I guess you don't have to watch the Twilight Zones. I think it 
certainly helps. But if you have no interest in watching that show and you listen to us anyways, hopefully you get a good feel for what the episode was like anyways. And if you wanted to go back and check it out, you could. But, you know, I also appreciate the people that that watch along with us and yeah. try to, you know, experience the show the, the way we do a little bit. Yeah. And to be honest, I barely watch these episodes of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I've missed movies in the past that we talked about, The Accidental Husband, uh-huh. which is now permanently written on my DNA. And there's going to be a time where I don't get a chance to watch The Walking Dead before we actually start the recap. It hasn't happened yet. It's been close a couple of times, <laughs> but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, right? It's, do you really think that's going to happen? Well... To be honest, I think we'd probably delay the podcast until I had a chance to watch it. I think I would. Chances are, you know, hey, Chris, I didn't get a chance to watch the episode this week. Can we delay by 44 and a half minutes? You know, and then I'll watch the episode and then we'll start. I mean, you might be a little pissed, but probably that's what would happen. I think it would be better if we did that than try to do it having you not seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I could fake it, right? I could probably fake it. Well... If there's one thing I know about you, it's you're good at bullshitting. So, well, maybe I'll try and let you know after. (laughs) And let me know after. All right. One more email here. This is Miles in Texas. And uh, he calls us out here. He says, I have listened to y'all from day one. Never before have I been so compelled to write you. You have made a grievous error. You both Uh did it and neither one caught it. Squid and octopi are not interchangeable. Octopi are highly intelligent escape artists, while squid don't even have a sense of self. You both referred to them as though they are the same animal. Well, I'm aware that they are different, but I don't know the difference. It's like crocodile and alligator. I know there's a difference. I know one has a pointy snout, the other one has a roundish kind of snout. I couldn't tell you which is which. What, you know, same with squid and octopus. I know they're different. But they're... This episode eight, which apparently uh, refers to the number of tentacles that this creature had, uh, is it, were they talking about an octopus or a squid? Well, that's a really good question. And I know I used the terms interchangeably too, while we were talking about the episode. And I, I do kind of feel bad about that. The, the thing is, Miles says that squid uh, don't have a sense of self and octopi are highly intelligent escape artists. So the octopus is the highly intelligent animal, whereas the squid is not. And I've always sort of thought as the giant squid as the intelligent version of that animal, which is not the same animal. But, uh, so I'm confused now as to what I, what I believe. I don't know which one I think is cool. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, it's a fair point really. Yeah. Like, we don't know what we're talking about, and that's plain. That's, you know, that's pretty clear at this point. (laughs) Yeah. If you haven't figured that out by now, you know, (laughs) you're not paying attention. But anyways. I do know the difference between a turtle and a tortoise. Oh, yeah? What is it? Right? Well, I guess I opened up my goddamn mouth, so I might as well speak, right? A turtle walks on land and a tortoise is in the sea? Or is it the other way around? (laughs) Shit, man. (laughs) Apparently you don't know the difference. So uh, now we Uh, need someone to clarify the difference between a turtle and a tortoise, a squid and an octopus, and uh, probably a few other things. All right. Turtles are reptiles that live on land and they got feet. 
And tortoises have more rounded and dome shells. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, turtles are adapted for life spent on water. I had it backwards. Okay. All right. Or as my, my grade, uh, my high school physics teacher uh, would call it the tortoise in the hair. Of course. We would always refer to it as a tortoise. What do you think I was a dick? <laughs> <laughs> or a bit of a misinformed teacher. No, he was British. Nah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, you know, and he pronounced it tortoise and it might be completely normal for him to pronounce it that way. On a side note, that guy was a dick. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, because of that. Miles, Tracy, and Natalie who wrote in are definitely not dicks and I appreciate all of their messages. So thank you to all three of you for writing in. Okay. Let's, uh, talk about the episodes here. The first one we're going to discuss is the Twilight Zone season two, episode number seven. It is called A Human Face. It stars Christopher Maloney, Jenna Elfman, and Tavi Gevinson, maybe Jevinson. Uh, but Jenna Elfman, of course, you will remember as June on Fear the yep. Walking Dead. So, and as Dharma from Dharma and Greg. Also that, but another Walking Dead connection. Uh, it seems like a lot of these Twilight Zones have those connections. IMDb describes this episode in this way. A grieving couple are led to second guess what's worth leaving behind when an otherworldly encounter interrupts their move. And Mr. Jordan Peele, our narrator, had this to say to kick off the episode. When they come, what form will they choose? And if they present us with the right one, will we let them in, welcome them with open arms? Robert and Barbara are about to find out that it may not even matter what's inside, as long as it arrives in the right package. Open the doors. We've just received a delivery from the Twilight Zone. A delivery from the Twilight Zone. So this episode is about a couple, Robert and Barbara. They're packing up their house to move away. And there is some kind of cosmic event that takes place after which they start hearing noises in their basement. So they yeah. go to investigate. They find this kind of horrific, creepy looking alien creature. And it slowly takes the form of their daughter, whom they lost to suicide at some point. And from there, they basically struggle with the idea of whether it's her or not and what its intentions are. <laughs> So this Jason, was a silly episode. So Jason, it's a silly episode. What else well, do you have to say about it? Well, okay. So you go to you, a flash of light and a yes. noise in the basement. Yes. Okay. So let's go investigate what's going on in the basement. And then you see this uh, kind of half present shimmering monsters creature eating a table, right? Yeah. 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 And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, did you see the face? Like the first time you saw the creature, did you see the face come out of the, in the creature? Yeah, the daughter's face kind of, I mean, I guess we don't really know it's the daughter at that point, but we see a human looking face kind of appear in, yeah. in the creature. Yeah. So at that point I'm thinking, okay, so it's going to be their daughter, right? And it's going to like, and then Jordan Peele comes on and basically spoils it because we didn't know at that point that it was going to be their daughter, mm -hmm. but then Jordan Peele's sitting on a bed and he tells us exactly what's going to happen. Uh, so it's like, I, I felt a little spoiled. Like, it's like, did you just spoil this episode, your own goddamn episode? Did you just do that? <laughs> I uh, never really thought of that, but you're right. He kind of does, doesn't he? So, 
I, I couldn't get on board. I know that they got to the point where they, they didn't know whether it, Jenna Elfman was like, this is our daughter and we get a second chance. And, uh, Christopher Maloney, whom I love from all kinds of things that he's been in the past. He's part, he's, he's such a, that guy actor. He's in all kinds of stuff and always has been. Uh, I remember him best from, uh, you know, uh, Law and Order and, uh, Oz. The first time I saw him was at Oz. Did you ever okay. watch that show? No, never seen it. Fucked up show. Anyway, uh, the first time I saw him, he was fully frontal, full frontal nudity and he was pissing into a bucket. Oh, good. First time I ever saw this actor on screen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it reminds it is, me of the first time I ever saw you. Yeah, yeah. Full, full nude, pissing in a bucket. Yeah, exactly. On TV. <laughs> on TV. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so... I couldn't buy into the, uh, they think it might be their actual daughter and they get a second chance because they saw the fucking alien. They saw the alien. It was right there in front of the meeting of goddamn table. Mm-hmm. How could they possibly think that this was anything other than a mimic pretending to be their daughter? Sure. But I think that's the question of the episode, right? It's like, it, it's an exam, it, it starts off as, as an examination of the different way that people grieve i think right you know jenna elfman as barbara she can't seem to let go um she she doesn't want to move forward after the death of her daughter whereas robert you know christopher not christopher uh yeah christopher maloney he he's really logical and he only seems to want to work forward like they're kind of at odds to each other right but it ends up being a question of even though you know this isn't your child, would you accept a reasonable facsimile of her? And and how does that make you feel? Right. Well, the, the, the answer is obviously no. Right. <laughs> I, I, not <laughs> Am I for wrong? every. I, I mean, I guess not for everybody. Like some people would be like would reject it outright. That's what Robert does. But Barbara kind of buys into it a little bit and says, "Look." I mean, I know this isn't my daughter, but it looks like her. It feels like her. It has all of her memories. What's so different? Why can't I accept the fact that this is the closest thing I'm going to get to getting her back? I mean, it's I, a, I could, it's a deep question, there. right? It is a deep question. It's been asked before, right? The, the whole AI artificial intelligence movie asked this very question. Right. Yeah. Like it, you know, can you accept a, uh, you know, a facsimile of someone that you know is dead and gone? This, in that case, it was, uh, that, that, uh, what's his name? That creepy kid, uh, that turned out to be a creepy adult, but that's just my own opinion. <laughs> I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that question for me has been asked and answered. I know that there's no way I could possibly accept a facsimile as the actual, like I could not transfer my feelings from the actual person to someone I know is not that person. I can't transfer. I might, you know, I might have new feelings about this new person that looks exactly like the person that I lost, mm-hmm. but I can't just transfer my feelings saying, fuck, I get another chance here. No, that that's complete horseshit. Yeah, and and I understand that, and I think most people would feel that way. Probably, I I would tend to agree to you if you know deep down that it's not the person. You 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 know it's not the person. Um, yeah, like for example, if you see them chewing on a table in the basement as an alien 
semi-transparent creature <laughs> after a cosmic event. Right, exactly. It's pretty clear <laughs> that this isn't the person that you used to have in your life, right? Yeah, no. and then Robert Peel's sitting on your bed telling you it's not your daughter. Uh, not Robert. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, Jordan Peel. But uh, Jordan, Jordan Peel, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I and I get that, and I agree with that a hundred percent. But I still think it's kind of an interesting concept to explore, right? What it, how close can something be to being that thing without actually being it before you accept it as true truth, right? Um, and I guess it's been explored a million times before, but, uh, I do think it's an interesting concept and interesting and also like kind of scary because, you know, if you, if you transfer this to real life, for example, if this kind of thing happened to you in your actual existence, I mean, most people would freak the shit out probably, right? Uh, yeah, I would freak out. I would, I would be like, whoa, we're being invaded, invaded by aliens. And then she comes, the best part of this episode was when she admits that she's a biological drone. That's not the right word. And that whole conversation that she has in the hallway about exactly what she is and what she's doing, I thought was really cool. Yeah. So, so that's what this episode ends up being, right? It's not, I mean, the Robert and Barbara experience this event one way and they have to reckon with it being you know, their, 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 their daughter or almost their daughter. But what the episode really is, is about an alien invasion because these aliens have come down and what they're doing is they're taking the form of lost loved ones of these people, which is enough to get the people on earth to essentially, um, accept the invasion. And, and go along with these aliens because they are close enough to their lost loved ones, which I think is actually an even more interesting idea when, when you kind of expand on the, the original concept. Yeah, no, I think that is an interesting idea and that, that does need to be uh, explored. I think they needed more time. This episode was not long enough to have all of these pieces put in mm. to a, you know, an order uh, the wrong order, but I'll get, get to that, uh, to be put in, uh, this needs to be a whole TV show, right? And, yeah. you know, I realize that X-Files did it before in the nineties, but I think this, this is, this concept is interesting enough of having an alien invasion, not invading by conquering, uh, you know, coming down and shooting laser blasters or even coming down and going, ag, 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 and then shooting you and making <laughs> you split into a million pieces. Sure. Uh, Mars has all on Mars attacks, uh, but coming down and winning you over with love or winning you over with kindness, right? Uh, the aliens come down and go, look, we've invented Velcro. Here's Velcro. You know, I think maybe that Velcro was invented by aliens around the Roswell, uh, time, <laughs> time frame. Cause that's when Velcro came out. Sure. As well as tinfoil, I think. Anyway, so the, all these alien inventions like Velcro and tinfoil, uh, you know, they come down, they give you presents, they, uh, they conquer you with, uh, uh, you know, they give you, they give you shit and, and then you go, yeah, come on, this, you know, the earth's pretty good. You can stay for a while, especially if you've got presents mm -hmm. and you, you fix everything for us, right? You make political strife a thing of the past and, uh, you fix the environment and, you know, so what if you get rid of the letter Q, right? We never really used it anyway. 
right? We got KW. You don't need a Q. So, you know, coming down and invading and then getting rid of the letter Q is a pretty powerful statement, right? Just all of a sudden, everybody remembers the letter Q, but it just doesn't exist anymore, nor has it ever existed, right? That's a pretty powerful statement. It really is. (laughs) So, uh, that's a, a short story by Larry Niven. Oh, I forget who wrote it, but it was called Just Another Perfect Day in Paradise. Great short story. Aliens invaded. They got rid of the letter Q in Ecuador. Everybody remembers these these things, but they're gone. Interesting. <laughs> they don't, can't find it on a map. Can't find the letter Q anymore. Anyway, uh, I think that's an, a very interesting idea and needs to be explored. But this whole, oh shit, this, that's our dead daughter. We should love her thing is a little hard to buy. Well, I do agree with you that it should have that this would actually make a better like complete series than it does a single episode of the twilight zone. Although I did like it um, because it relies, this episode relied so heavy, heavily on just exposition. You know, that scene in the hallway where the daughter slash alien is explaining to them exactly what's going on. I'm like, that's all great and all, but how much more amazing would it have been if this had played out over a longer period, maybe multiple episodes, and they they showed us what the aliens were doing rather than just having her stand there and tell us because she says, I'm a biological pacification drone, which by itself yeah. is a fascinating uh, concept, right? She's, yeah. she's sent down to Earth and they assume the form of people's loved ones and they convince human to humans to accept the invasion. They're appealing to human emotion. And that's, a, I think that's amazing, but it all happens so quickly that you, you almost don't even have time to really process it and the episode's over. So if they'd stretched this out into a four-part miniseries, maybe an eight or 10 episode, like full show, it could have been even better, I think. I, I think so too. I think that uh, it very much needed more time especially for the, the, the dots they needed to connect. I think that might be true of a lot of Twilight Zone episodes. The dots they need to connect, they have to connect in a hurry, right? Yeah. And it, it sometimes and sometimes it feels rushed. Sometimes it doesn't. Like it's, it's concise enough that it doesn't necessarily feel rushed. Uh, but in other times, like this one, it, uh, it definitely felt rushed. And yeah. it needs, needs a little bit more breathing room. Yeah, yeah. This one especially, I think. Um, uh, other than yeah. that, Sorry, just a quick correction. It's called Just Another Perfect Day by John Varley. And if you do a search for it, you can uh, read it online. A fantastic short story. Ah, cool. Very cool. Everybody check that out. Uh, I was going to say, there's a couple of, uh, just a couple other points about this episode in general. I thought the scene in the basement where the alien first starts taking the appearance of the daughter, I thought was genuinely creepy. Like it was, it was weird. Man, the way the alien was so alien and turning into this girl, it was, it was just really, really creepy. And I, I, I don't know. It was, it freaked me out a little bit watching it. So I think they did a good job with that where the alien was, I, I got the feeling like it was struggling to become the girl, but I think it's just part of its process. And, uh, (laughs) it was... It was well done, I thought. I, th- I thought so too. I thought, I think that when aliens do come, and I do think it's when, 
Well, yeah. You know, if TV and movies have been doing anything in the last 40 years, it's preparing us for the alien inv- invasion, <laughs> right? The aliens are going to show up and everybody's going to go, I knew it. Well, here's the right? thing, right? <laughs> the, the aliens on this episode of The Twilight Zone come and they appeal to human emotion to have us accept it. You know, you could easily argue that, uh, like you said, the last 40, 50 years of TV have been the aliens' yeah. uh plan of attack of just making us accept the fact that they're, you know, about to invade. Yeah. They're not going to come down as soldiers. They're going to come down as studio executives. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So they're I think probably that, already uh, here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You don't have to convince me. They invented Velcro for crying out loud. Sure. <laughs> so how else would I tie all my cables together? Oh my God. I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, with the alien uh, depiction of her becoming the daughter, I-, I thought that was really well done as well because we know that she's multidimensional, right? She said she's in a like four forty-five point some odd or four hundred and some odd point something di- dimensions. Like, how can you be in a fraction of a dimension? Well, you know, they're aliens; they can do whatever they want. Yeah, and about the fact that she's trying to use language to explain what she is, and she keeps saying that's not the right word. That's you know, that's not you know, that's close, but it's not quite right. Uh, I thought that was done well. The aliens, when uh, when she was morphing, how it would move. I think that's how uh, a multidimensional being would appear. It would just be so alien that we wouldn't be able to understand it. Right. Uh, the movement. And I think that um, uh, Live, Die, Repeat, what was that called uh, in North America? That movie with uh, Tom Cruise. Emily Blunt, Tom Cruise. Uh, it was called Live, Live, Die, Repeat in other places, but not here. And I don't know why I can't think of the here name and only the there name. But uh, that movie, I think the aliens that invaded there, uh, I thought moved really, really well because they were just kind of this ropey alien that moved and you couldn't quite track what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was also a really nice depiction of aliens uh, in that, you know, we wouldn't be able to understand the movement and motion and uh, anything about aliens because, you know, they're alien. Right. They are the quintessential other. Yeah, right? absolutely. No, that I, I fully agree with that. It's like we don't even we don't even have the ability to necessarily understand what they do, how they think, the way they move, because they're completely separate from us, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, um, day after tomorrow is the uh, the name. That's it. I was struggling with, but uh, it's the same thing with AI. We could never understand. Uh, you know, how an AI thinks because they have completely different perspective on reality and they don't have the same motivations that we do. Our motivations are, you know, shelter, eat, sex, and procreate. You know, not necessarily in that order. (laughs) No. (laughs) So, uh, you know, an AI or an alien wouldn't have the same motivation. So they they absolutely would, we wouldn't be able to understand them. I mean, we know that ants exist and we can respect that ants have, you know, uh, a colony mind and are able to uh, think creatively as a collective. But, uh, and, you know, as human beings, we know that and we respect that, but, you know, if ants get in our way, we're going to completely fucking obliterate as many ants as we can without having a second thought. <laughs> I mean, ants are great and everything. And as a conceptual thing, they're fantastic, but God damn it, they're in my kitchen. I'm going to kill them all. Yeah. You don't right? want them in your kitchen. No. The ants don't understand that. Right. They don't understand that boundary line of, uh, you know, I, I'm respected as a species up until the fact that I go into this room and this is why you decide to obliterate my entire colony because <laughs> I came in this room of all, why this room? Right. 
So yeah. it's just, uh, we'll never understand, we'll never be able to understand uh, an alien intelligence or a higher intelligence. Well, you know, along those lines, I thought that uh, Tavi Jevonson, who, who played the alien version of the daughter, did a fantastic job here. She was, she was just a little bit inhuman the way she acted and, and a little bit creepy. So you always kind of knew that, yeah, she looked like the daughter. She had all her memories and she was able to pull from them when she was speaking. She was just a little bit off, you know, she was a little bit alien. So I, I give her a lot of credit for the way she portrayed this character, especially in that hallway scene where she outlines it all to them. Yeah. Did she seem a little short to be the, uh, the child of Jenny Elfman and Christopher Maloney? <laughs> I never thought of that, but what are they tall people and they had a short kid? I don't know. She seemed just to, you know, the, the height disparity, disparity there seemed a little off to me. It's just, it would, you know, I was trying to, I was thinking, is she a little girl or is she like, uh, you know, 17 or like 20 or, you know, what's the relationship here? And she's like, you know, a full, more than a foot shorter than each of these other actors. Uh, it just, it seemed a little... It didn't seem like a family unit. Well, that's the way it works, man. Sometimes your kids are taller than you. Sometimes they're shorter than you. Uh, Yeah. Oh, no, I can understand that. You know, Jasper's only half my height. Sure. And he's only four. Yeah. (laughs) He turns five any second now, right? No, he just turned four on Saturday. Oh, he did already turn four. Okay. He just turned four, so he's four now. I'm confused. Well, happy birthday, Jasper. My (laughs) 13-year-old is taller than my wife and my mom, so. She taller than you? No, not yet. But okay. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, obviously that shit happens. Yeah. But it just, it seemed a little, maybe, maybe it's the exact replica of their daughter, just shorter. Right? Yeah. Maybe that shorter. was just part of the alien things. Like, I don't know. Hey, you know, I'm a drone here to help uh, with the invasion. Uh, and I have all of your daughter's memories because I tapped into her wavelength. Yeah. Well, these sort of explanation. But we're hard. Too, it's, it's very difficult to get the height right. Is this height seem okay to you? <laughs> Height's <laughs> yeah, a problem. It's fine. Don't worry about it. In any case, I thought she did a, I thought she did a really good job, sort of being just a little bit off, which I think was the point. The another example of that is when Robert and Barbara near the beginning are hiding in the bathroom, and the alien is outside the bathroom door, still kind of converting into the daughter's form, but we see, or we hear everything she's saying from outside the bathroom. And it's really creepy. She's repeating certain words. She's, it it felt like she was exploring Maggie's memories and kind of experimenting with them a little bit, saying the same things over and over again. And, you know, I do feel like this was the episode's way of letting us into the transformation process without actually showing it to us. Right. Which kind of bugged me because I kind of wanted to see it. But at the same time, just getting the one side of that conversion from the parent's side, I think worked pretty well too, because it was creepy. I could totally understand why Barbara wanted to open the door because she hears her daughter outside, right? Saying all these things, using her memories. And I, I could get, I can understand why that would be enticing to like, oh my God, my kid is out there. I need to open this door and, and see them. But, um, for me, it comes down to a little bit writing, but also just the way the actress kind of read the lines and portrayed it. So I, I think there was a lot to like with those sorts of things in this episode, even though it 
as you said, could have taken a lot more time to uh, play out. Or in a different order. That's not, one of the things I was thinking of is, you know, if they didn't start with the, uh, you know, the alien eating a table in the basement and they started with, oh shit, our daughter's here. How is that possible? And they worked with that uh, rather than showing the alien. That might've been a little more believable. It's like, oh, uh, you know, all of a sudden her daughter's here. Yeah, absolutely. That would freak the shit out of anybody if their, you know, re- recently deceased daughter shows up in the house again yeah. saying, I'm back. I have these memories, uh, you know, come out of the bathroom. Uh, I need your help. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. You know, to me, that would be much more of a compelling storyline. Uh, and then going to, uh, you know, and then having the confrontation in the hallway. It's like, what are you? You can't be our daughter. Uh, you know, well, I'm a, you know, I'm an invasion drone. I have your daughter's <laughs> memories because I tapped into her psychic wavelength. Uh, and you know, I think that that might've been a more interesting story, uh, for me to tell, like skip the whole transformation into the daughter thing and just go for the alien is the daughter and dealing with that shit. That's a might really a interesting, that's a really interesting point, actually. Just do it, do it the other way around. And it yeah. might've been more, more fascinating. So I, uh, now, you know, I didn't think of that, but now that you say it, I think that's might've worked a little bit better. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, finally though, you know, the fact that this episode kind of is trying to tell us that humanity's weakness is love in a way, you know, it's both uplifting and kind of terribly bleak all at the same time. It is. I mean, you know, obviously aliens are going to use whatever our attributes are against us. And one of the attributes we have is we tend to love people that are close to us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they're going to use that against us. Yeah. So just keep that in mind, everybody, when the aliens come, they're manipulating you based on your love for your family members and friends. Yeah. So do serial killers. Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it, it, look at the green mile, right? We have the bad guy in the green mile. Um, you know, he killed them with their love. There was just two girls that he murdered and he said, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to kill your sister kind of thing. And it's like they use their own love for each other, the two girls against them uh, in order to, uh, you know, manipulate them and to, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that serial killers do. Or the, in that case, uh, a Stephen King depiction of a serial killer, what they did. Yeah. So I, I think that aliens are definitely going to be manipulating us. Uh, by, you know, giving us presents like Velcro and tinfoil. <laughs> All right. Well, that on that terrifying note, uh, let's move on to The Twilight Zone Season 2, Episode number 8. And this one is called A Small Town. It stars Damon Wayans Jr., David mm-hmm. Krumholtz, Natalie Martinez, and Paula Newsom, none of whom have been in The Walking Dead that I'm aware of. So uh, this is this one doesn't have a connection, but... IMDb says that this episode is about a church handyman discovers a magic scale model that gives him the power to help his small town, but the mayor takes all the credit for his good intentions. And Jordan Peele started us off with this. Mr. Jason Grant, a man looking to make a big difference in a small town. But being the change you wish to see in the world, is a lot more complicated when you've got that whole world in your hands. It's all a matter of perspective here in the Twilight Zone. 
That's right. So Jason in the episode is a man who was married to the town mayor. Unfortunately, she was killed in a car accident. And since then, he's been living in a church attic. One day he finds a model of the town that he can use to control the entire place. So basically anything he does to the model happens in real life out on the street, you know, right outside the window. Uh Uh, The town is kind of run down. The current mayor has not been uh, running it to his satisfaction. So he tries to fix it and he tries to use his powers for good, but things don't really go as planned. Was it obvious to you that this was an allegory for God? Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the idea here. It's, it's God-like powers and it's a little Spider-Man-y too, you know, with, with, uh, enormous great great power comes great responsibility, right? Yeah. With a, with a, with a functioning diorama comes great, you know, responsibility. (laughs) Exactly. And if you can't keep it together, it's not going to work out for you. And that's true for if you just simply find a train set in your grandpa's attic, right? If, you know, if you find a train set in your grandpa's attic, treat it well, don't just throw it in the garbage. Well, I a hundred percent agree with that because that thing is probably 60 years old and has hours and hours and hours of work and care put into it. So don't just throw it out. Yeah. But I, I mean, uh... Jason Grant was God. He's living in a, you know, the attic of a church for crying out loud. Yep. Uh, we have uh, the old, the new mayor, David uh, Krumholtz or whatever his name is from mm-hmm. various shows. Uh, he's the devil, right? He lives amongst the people and he trying, he takes credit for, for things and he, he wants the adoration, even though uh, it's not, it's undeserved. And we have uh, Jason Grant's, the wife that, who passed away in a, in a, in a car, a car accident, which I assume is the Holy Spirit. I'm not really sure what the Holy Spirit is, but, and then we have the kid of the, uh, the woman who owns the diner, which obviously is Jesus, uh, cause he's down amongst the people, you know, he's, but he's doing, he's drawing things and everybody's attributing those drawings for what's actually happening in the world. Uh, so, you know, it's not necessarily God there, but anyway, so I got the Holy Trinity. I got the devil. Uh, we have the townspeople. We have, uh, we have God in this tower who's separate from, uh, all of the humanity going around and he can see it from on high and he makes little changes, but he fucks shit up all the time. It's like, damn it. I didn't mean to put that giant chicken wing in there. That's probably a bad idea. I should take the giant chicken wing and, you know, you put down a big spider monster. You know, and it terrifies people. Uh, and you're like, yeah, that probably isn't a great idea. I should pull that out of there. So you take the giant spotter, spider monster away. So this all to me just seems a little too, you know, uh, a little too on the nose. Well, you know, I, I, I can see that for sure. I don't think when he put the spider, the tarantula on, he ever intended to leave it there to actually kill the mare. So he puts it there so he can, he can frighten the mayor basically, because at that point oh. he's pissed off because the mayor is taking all the credit and doing nothing. So he wants to frighten him. So I think his intention was just to do that and then pull the spider off at the last second. Like he does. Does that make him a bigger asshole or a lesser of an asshole? I don't know. <laughs> That's the <laughs> thing. I'm not sure. I mean, I kind of think this is in some ways sort of the simplest quote unquote Twilight Zone episode of the whole season where it's really just about that. It's about a guy who has the power to do all these things and 
the question is, should he be doing that? Or, you know, given that power, is there any possibility that he won't become corrupt with that power? Right. And at least, at the very least, don't start doing shit without uh, some kind of knowledge of electrical engineering. Because you're going to mess the thing up, right? Yeah. Too many light bulbs on the sign apparently blows the whole goddamn transformer for the region and you're out for weeks. I mean, that's just, that's, that's classic God. You know what? That, that, that sort of bothered me a little bit too, to be honest with you. So he builds this sign. It's uh it's a light up sign. It's tra- attracting people from the highway into the town, which is supposed to be good for the town because it brings everybody in. It brings business. It brings tourism, stuff like that. Right. But then he so adds more cars, lights. Right? Yeah. He adds more lights to the sign and it blows the transformer. And now they're apparently have no power for weeks at a time. Um, I was, I was sort of like, you know, yeah. Okay. The, the diorama of the town has power. We know that. And that's why the sign can have power. But then suddenly his sign is blowing a transformer somewhere else. That's not part of the diorama. You know, uh-huh. it felt a little bit too convenient for me to put him in a bad situation that he can't get out of. Right. A little too plot devicey. A little, you know, if you're going to, yeah. if you're going to set up the rules of the show, you got to live by the rules of the show. Right. Right. But the power from the diorama came from the clockwork mechanism within the diorama. You had to turn the key, right? Which yeah. means the diorama has its own internal power. He only did that once. Apparently- uh, that's what you do is God. You go crank, 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 and then the whole goddamn universe runs forever. Right? <laughs> that's how it works, isn't it? I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, I didn't think about that, that, that broke the rules. And I'm usually pretty on the ball with those breaking of the rules, the internal consistency rules. You are. Uh, I, I, I missed that one. So good for you. Thank you for that. Well, there you go. So, um, I don't know, but at the end of the day, yeah, it was about, can someone have this kind of power without it going all belly up or, you know, maybe too, it was kind of like, can a person do good things continually without being recognized for them? Because everybody in the town starts attributing all the good things that are happening, like all the garbage being cleaned up and the potholes being filled and, you know, whatever else he does, they're attributing it to the mayor and the mayor is kind of taking credit for it you know, until the end. And that ultimately pisses Jason off. And I'm, you know, I don't even know where it sort of nets out really. Right. Because eventually he, he has to admit that he's the one doing it, but he's also done some bad things too, like dropping a meteor on the mayor's car and the tarantula (laughs) and stuff like that. Incidentally, the tarantula, I had to look it up because that spider really looked like it had 10 legs. But it's has eight plus two feelers at the front. Yeah, they got a little. Uh, yeah, they got a little feeler things. Right. I was confused by that, but uh, anyways, um, and 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 that's kind of the extent of this episode, to be honest with you. Right. It's it's this guy doing these things for the town, and they're supposed to be all these great things and making the town a better place and fixing all its problems. And did he really fix anything? Um, at least in the short term, not really. Yeah, he made a couple of people happy, and he painted a he painted the diner with nail polish. I mean, that those are good things, right? I guess, yeah, for now. But those but are the simple dropped, things. Yeah, but then he dropped a meteor on this guy's car, 
Uh, and the meteor came from, I assume, space, and it looked like it was going pretty fast by the flames coming out of it, uh, you know, hurtling towards the Earth. And all it wrecked was the car. You know, wouldn't there be like a big goddamn crater? There'd be a huge crater, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but whatever, it's just a diorama. You know, signs come from uh, out of nowhere, and this tarantula comes down on the giant chicken wing bone, which I thought was a nice touch. That was a nice thing to give it a dog. That dog would freak out. It's like, oh, my God. Look at the size of that thing. Oh, that's that, awesome. That dog would be eating, even there was, even though there was barely any meat left on it, that dog would lick that thing to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was, there was enough meat. I mean, you know, sure. a chicken wing, you know, real size with that amount of meat is, you know, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? It's a lot of gristle in there, but there's some flavor and stuff. It'd be kind of a, it'd be iffy. I, I'm just saying it's iffy. But for but a, you, you know, you blow that up for, you know, 50 times larger, there's like 60 pounds of meat on there. <laughs> for a dog, go crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. That dog would eat and then barf and then eat some more and then barf and then eat the barf because dogs are stupid. <laughs> I love dogs, but yeah, they're not. I love dogs they're, too. They're not the smartest species on the planet. Well, you know, food is food, right? You're not going to waste it just because you barfed it up. <laughs> of course not. Gross. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense from dog, dog logic. All right. Well, let me ask you this question. They made a huge point of telling us how great Jason's wife as a mare was. Right. She was the great, yep. she was the perfect mare for this, this, uh, town. And I think that was kind of to contrast, to provide us some contrast with how bad the current mayor was. Of course, we needed to think of him as really evil, but I want to know, Jason, if you thought that they implied in this episode that she was using the model to do her job as mayor. Or is the model been like packed up in that church attic for decades and no one has seen it for a long time and Jason was the first guy to discover it? What do you think? I never got that, that his wife, because he didn't live there with her, did he? He moved out of his house because he couldn't live there uh, with her gone. So he moved into the attic of this church uh, as, you know, basically because his, you know, mentally he was crumbling. Yeah, I don't know how clear that was, to be honest with you, because he seemed to live in that church. Whether he moved out of a house or not, I don't know. But maybe, maybe. I'm I'm just wondering if if there was the implication anywhere that the wife used the model, and therefore she was a really good mare, because she was able to control her ability to use it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get that at all. Like, not even a little bit. Okay, well, that's good. Frankly, because I was wondering about that. And, I, and then I started thinking if she did, in fact, use the model, that kind of takes away from her character, even though she's dead yeah. the entire episode, right? Like, I wanted her to be an actual good mare without, you know, uh, a tool to make that job easier. All right. So let's, let's suppose. Let's okay. play the suppose game. All right. Suppose that she did use the model to uh, help her with her mayoral duties. Yeah, that bothers uh, she, me. All right. She died in a car crash. So it was sudden. Mm -hmm. It was unexpected. Uh, if she was using the model for that, they couldn't have been living there because then Jason Grant would know about the model. Right. First of all. So they had to be living somewhere else. Second of all, if she died suddenly, that model would still be sitting on top of the, uh, the sawhorses. Right. But it was right? packed it away. It was packed away. Got it. So she would have had to pack it up and then suddenly die unexpectedly. 
Mm. while working in the attic of a church that she had no business being in the attic of a church because she is the mayor of the town, not a church handyman. Right. <laughs> like Jason. So, like Jason. Yeah. So this is, I guess, that with that supposing game, I'm not sure I see how that is even possible for her to use that diorama. Okay, good. So I feel better about it then. That's, that's fine. She was good. genuinely a good mayor, which I like. And she's tragically killed. This bad mayor takes over and, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. All right. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. Now, when he was rummaging, rummaging around after he asked the pastor if he could clean up that uh, a little bit, uh, when he was, was rummaging around, obviously at that point I was thinking, okay, he's going to find something that will be the, you know, the, uh, the inciting incident for the entire episode. And I was trying to guess what it was. And I was watching this with my wife and I started yelling at the screen, time portal, time portal, time portal. <laughs> She's like, what? It's like, he's going to find a time portal. But it wasn't a time portal. It was a diorama. So you're watching this, these episodes with Jenny. How does she like them? No, I watched these two episodes with Jenny and oh. then we had to stop. She likes them because she likes, uh, she never quite, she's like me. Uh, I never quite got Twilight Zone. It's never been a, an interest of mine. I know it's an interest of yours. Uh, it's kind of just something that's like, hey, Twilight Zone, that's a cool concept kind <laughs> okay. of thing. But then we watched these episodes and she's like, well, let's watch some more. And I said, I can't. You got to wait. Because I got to wait. If I watch them now, then it's going to be like two weeks since, uh, I've seen them when I podcast about them, so I got to wait, but I promise we'll watch them together when I do need to watch them. Oh, good. Well, so. number one, I, I appreciate that you're doing this for me because yeah. as we all know, I'm a huge fan. And number two, I'm kind of happy that she seems to want to watch more of them. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it is good. It is good. All right. Well, um... What else? I mean, I guess in the end of this episode, it's pretty obvious that the model eventually gets destroyed and therefore the town is terribly damaged. But the way the twist kind of plays out in this one is that just before that happens, Jason takes his wedding ring off and puts it down on the diorama so that the town is destroyed. But when they're but then at the end, when they're walking out, surveying the damage, there's this giant gold ring sitting in the center of town, which they call the like largest unbroken ring of gold. And it will of course provide all of the wealth they need to rebuild this town into whatever they want, you know, not controlled by a church diorama. So it's kind of an uplifting, happy ending in a way, right? It's like they, they, they have all this control, it gets destroyed, but the one thing that they need to keep the town going is provided to them by God. Right. Well, you have a doctorate in physics, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so now if you took uh, a 24 karat gold ring that uh, I assume he was wearing, let's just say it's 24 karat, it okay. might have been 18. Sure. I don't know. But if you take that amount of gold uh, on a ring- and you place it down in this diorama, it becomes the world's largest unbroken uh, ring of uh, pure gold. Mm -hmm. Would Gold is pretty malleable. Would it collapse under its own weight if you had that much gold? I don't know. I didn't even think of that idea. So I think that it probably would just collapse. It would, I don't, I don't know, but it is an arch. It is a ring, right? And the, the arch is pretty strong. 
uh what do you call it structure the arch is so, the strongest structure there is isn't isn't there like that's why they say go stand in a door frame when there's an earthquake because the door frame will probably survive yeah or hmm. under the stairs yeah something like that find find something that'll become a pocket when your whole you know house collapses on you right good advice uh I don't know. Anyway, it just, it seemed a little odd. Uh, and all of a sudden there's this ring in the middle of town and everybody's like, Hey, that's cool. Look at that ring. But then again, there was a, you know, Hey, look at that sign. Isn't that cool? Hey, look at that meteorite sitting on top of the mayor's car. That's pretty neat. Look at that giant chicken wing. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and now it's uh, Hey, look, a bunch of gold. Who owns that? I don't know. We I'll fight you do. for it. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's fine. Like, I don't care. Even if the ring did collapse under its own weight, it's still a certain number of pounds of gold and that's yeah, pretty valuable. It's a big goddamn hunk of gold. Right. And, that, exactly. and that's a good thing. Yeah. But it was, it was an unusual sort of uplifting ending to me, right? Like all this stuff went bad. The diorama got, you know, the town was at odds about this. The diorama got uh, destroyed. And then in the end, they're going to be able to rebuild the town and do whatever they want because they have the wealth all of a sudden. And not only that, the, uh, the fact that it was his wedding ring, which is the symbol of his marriage to the former mayor who was the best mayor the town has ever had is what we're supposed to believe. Like, I really liked all that symbolism, you know, she ended up saving the town even in her death. Why did you take his ring off? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just wondering if that mean is also a symbol of him getting past uh, his wife's death, or at least the start of being able to move on. You know what? I'll take that, to be honest. Like, I, I, I don't see why not. Like, you're right. I don't really know why he took the ring off in that, in that moment. I, I'll bet you there is an explanation for it. Uh, because he takes it off and puts it on the edge of the diorama just before they destroy the thing. Um, but I like it. I mean, I just, I, yeah. I like the idea that she had a hand in saving the town even after her death. And if it also symbolizes him moving on and being able to, you know, accept that and put his, I don't know, effort back into the reconstruction of the town, then it kind of all works for me in that respect. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's a good thing he wasn't wearing a hat at the time because I can understand, uh, you know, I think he took off his ring during a moment of frustration mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. similar. So if he was wearing a hat, I can understand the, uh, the mentality to, you know, be frustrated and take your hat off and throw it on the ground. Right. We see that in TV all the time as well. Right. People get mad at something, you throw your, your hat on the ground and you kick the dirt and you get all mad and stuff. But if he had a hat on, he would have done that and they would have had the world's largest hat to deal with in the middle of town. But instead... He opted to take his wedding ring off and throw it on the diorama. I'm so mad at the damn diorama. I'm going to take my ring off. Because you do that, right? When you get really frustrated, you take your wedding ring off and throw it across the room. Absolutely. And that's why you lost it one time? No, you, my original wedding ring is lost and gone. I don't know where it is, but I didn't take it off in any sort of anger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I have a new one now, which I yeah. still take off, but I haven't lost yet. Uh, that's good. Yeah. I take mine off every once in a while, but. Sure. Just to fiddle with I it? I also haven't lost it yet. Well, sometimes it depends on what I'm doing. Sometimes uh, I've discovered that uh, I can't juggle clubs with my wedding ring on because the clubs slam into the ring and it hurts my fingers. So if I have to juggle my clubs <laughs> for my son who enjoys it, I have to take my ring off. Well, I was going to ask, why are you, you haven't, 
worked as a clown in many years, but I guess if you're entertaining your son, that's a good enough reason. Well, he loves the clubs. He loves them. I have to take them away from him because he, they become swords. Actually, mostly they, they're either swords <laughs> or uh, fire hoses that he has to extinguish fires. And there's three of us in the family and there's three clubs and everybody gets a club and they all have to play firemen. It becomes a whole thing. So he gets to play with them for a little while, but eventually we have to take them away. Okay. Well, for, I'm not going to lie. That sounds kind of fun. It is fun. Until right. he starts hitting the TV with them. Are you I'm going to go to fire? Whack, whack, whack. <laughs> are you, you going to teach him to juggle? I'm trying. I, he's got his own uh, klutz juggling bags, juggling nice. bean bags. I want to teach him to, to learn how to juggle because one of my uh, first times I ever really encountered a juggler that I looked at and or I saw on TV and I went, wow, that's amazing, was actually on a show called That's Incredible. I don't know if you remember that show from the 80s. That sounds familiar. Anyway, on That's Incredible, there was a six-year-old that was juggling like eight balls. Uh, and I thought that was incredible. So, you know, he's got a couple of years. I'm going to teach him how to juggle. Nice. And play the drums because they have six-year-old drummers that are awesome too. So <laughs> he's, got a lot, he's got a lot of things to do to make his dad happy. He sure does. But, you know, someday he'll be on a variety talent show juggling, playing the drums, and you'll be the proudest father of all time. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right. It's true. Well, there you go, everybody. That is the Twilight Zone uh, season two, episode seven and eight. Uh, I think both of them were okay, but I also think that the Twilight Zone is lulling a little bit in the middle here where it started season two really strong. So we have two more to do, and I hope that they're both really awesome and they finish the season really on a high. We'll have to well, see. So far, and like I said, you know, Twilight Zone has not been a big part of my life. and It's not something I'm really interested in. It's it's more uh, watching them because you told me to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I appreciate from, that, man. Yeah, that's no problem. Uh, it's my pleasure. Good. <laughs> to do what I'm told. <laughs> um, but the show is inconsistent. Yeah. Okay. Is it, has it always been like that? I guess you, we talked about this briefly last week, is that some shows are stellar. Some episodes are stellar. Other ones are kind of ho-hum. Uh, and you know, the stellar ones are good, but the whole hum ones are also good. So I guess it's overall okay. It's just, it seems a little inconsistent. I can understand that these ones, the last few have not been as great as some of the other ones, I think. And I do think this season has started stronger and is, you know, taking a little dip here in the middle, but we've got two more. So maybe they'll finish really strong. We'll have to see. Cool. I don't know. All right, before we wrap up here for the day, Jason, I need to send out a thank you to a new listener or a listener who has recently become a new patron on Patreon. Nice. And that is Wes M, who, you know, became a new patron at a very generous level. And he wrote a note. He said, superb. Love your guys' thoughts on The Walking Dead and the myriad of other tangents you go on. Looking forward to the next episode dropping as always. So thank you very much, Wes M., for becoming a new patron. We very much appreciate it. If you want to become a patron, you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash the talking dead, uh, where you can, you know, sign up for a small monthly subscription, basically, which will help us put on the show and afford the cost of everything that goes into making this show. So, uh, like I said, patreon.com slash the talking dead to do that. 
You can also visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal if you want to simply make a one-time contribution uh, that, again, goes into uh, all the costs associated with putting on the show. Those are two ways to show some support. But don't feel like you have to do any of that, anyone. Just listening is more than enough uh, because you can leave us star ratings or reviews on Apple podcasts or Stitcher or any of the other platforms you can find us on. That is also immensely helpful. One more thing before we move on is that, uh, you know, I don't mention it much, but we actually have a merchandise store for the show as well. What? (laughs) Yeah, we do. I know. (laughs) Even you don't know about it. I do. I was kidding. Well, it's tpublic.com. And if you visit tpublic.com slash stores slash the talking dead, you can purchase shirts, hoodies, stickers, uh, like coffee mugs, phone cases, pillows, tote bags, and yes, even masks with our logo on it. And, And not just our logo, but also a bunch of other uh, graphics that I have decided that I like and have put into <laughs> our store. So, perfect. you know, it's all there. It's tpublic.com slash stores slash the talking dead. So you can go check that out if you want. The reason I'm bringing it up today is that they are going to be doing a sale uh, this week. So you can get a deal on a shirt or a sticker with our logo on it. The sale is on from uh, from the 26th to the 28th of August. That's Wednesday to Friday this week. For once, you know, they're having a sale that corresponds to the recording of one of our episodes, which is nice. (laughs) So hopefully it hasn't passed already. But if you listen to this in time, uh, the 26th, Wednesday to the 28th, which is a Friday of August, you can get t-shirts for 13 bucks or everything else for up to 35% off. So it's a pretty good deal. If you've ever wanted a shirt or a hoodie with our logo on it, and if I do say so myself, it's a pretty cool logo, now's your chance. You can get a good deal, and uh, it helps us out a little bit. Awesome. Pillows, though, really? Yeah, it's it's a pillow uh, case. So yeah. you that provide... doesn't seem your... weird to you? Well, I have one. I ordered one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a... Uh, it's You provide your own pillow... But you can get our logo on the pillowcase. It's kind of fun. You can sleep or just sit around watching TV with your head on a Talking Dead podcast pillow. It's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Give it to your dog. You know, have your dog sit on it. That's Pillow, f- dogs love pillows. Fine. That's fine, too. Totally. You're. It's up to you what you want to do with it. Uh, if you want to walk into Walmart or Costco wearing a mask because of COVID-19, you can now do that with our logo on the mask, which I think nice. is pretty cool. I guarantee you someone's going to say, that's a cool mask. Where can I get one? And then you can tell them to uh, check us out. Mm. I mean, or you could, you could buy something like a t-shirt or a pillowcase or something. And you could, when you get it, you could burn it in effigy, right? <laughs> if you really dislike the podcast and you dislike <laughs> something we've said, like if we fucked up, uh, you know, confusing turtles with tortoises or squids with octopuses, octopusy, octopi. Something like that. <laughs> Octopussy's a name of a movie. Uh, oh. You know, if we fucked up something like that and you really, really, really are mad, you know, buy a t-shirt and burn it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that's the best idea, but yeah, whatever you want to do. Why not? <laughs> I mean, it's your t-shirt at that point. You can do whatever you want with it, right? Do whatever you want with it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, 
TeePublic. You can either search for us or the link is TeePublic, T-E-E, public.com slash stores slash The Talking Dead. Check that out. Or if you, if you confuse a spider with something that has 10 legs. What has 10 legs, Chris? <laughs> Nothing. Anything? Nothing, Jason. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Spiders have All the right. most, well, centipedes have dozens of legs, I think. Yeah, they got more legs. Fucking centipedes. Uh, I hate them. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty crazy. They're gross and scary and I don't like them at all. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone. That is the way you can help support the show. Next time on the Talking Dead podcast, we are going to be discussing episode nine and ten of season two of the Twilight Zone. Episode nine is called Try, Try. Episode ten is called You Might Also Like. So look forward to that. And I want to mention that after that, the next episode of this podcast, we're going to be covering a movie but it's at the recommendation of a listener. This comes from Jens, who is in the south of Sweden. And he says, well, the subject of his email was movie to watch. And he says, I just watched a Canadian zombie movie from 2019 called Blood Quantum, starring native Canadian actors. It's well worth a watch. So Jason, I went and looked this up and I decided that it would be a fun thing to cover for various reasons. One, it's sort of a Canadian movie. Two, it's a Canadian zombie movie. Three, it has native Canadian actors in it. And I think it would just be fun because one of those actors is Michael Greyeyes, who you may remember as, uh, well, his name was Kalataka Walker on Fear the Walking Dead. He was the guy in the, um, in the ranch on that show. So, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They called him Taka, Taka Walker. So Michael Greyeyes is in this movie too. So there's a Walking Dead connection and I'm curious to watch it. Now, if you want to check that out, that's going to be, um, you know, a couple of weeks from now at least, but that gives you some time to watch it. It's called Blood Quantum. It is streaming on Shudder. So if you are a Shudder subscriber, you can get it there. It's also available on Apple TV, Google Play, you know, all those other services as well. So it should be fairly easy to come by. And I look forward to checking it out. I am also looking forward to this. I'm looking it up right now and going through it. This looks awesome. Yeah. So thank you, Jens. I believe that's how you pronounce the name. Thank you for that recommendation. And just incidentally, Jens, you're from the south of Sweden. My cousin, her name is Leanne. She lives in Helsingborg, Sweden. Helsingborg, Sweden. So just say hi if you happen to see her. Yeah, because they all know each other. Of course they do. Yeah, just like all Canadians know each other, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm lo actually looking through the cast to see if I know anybody. I've <laughs> known a few actors that are, you know, Canadian famous. Uh -huh. And Canadian famous means, hey, aren't you, what's his name? <laughs> aren't you that guy? Yeah, I am. Aren't you that guy that oh. I know that I've seen in something, maybe? Good to see you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it could happen. It could happen. All right. Yeah, well, that... this this movie looks really good, and there's a, there's a really good chance that I'll watch it before the podcast. Cool. I mean, I can't give it 100%. Right? Because my track record's not at 100%, but there's a real good chance. Yeah. It's like really. the average number of arms for the human race is less than two. Well, right? it is, of course, because nobody has three. So you can't, ha it's not two, right? <laughs> so you can't guarantee. So, the, you know, I will likely watch this movie before the podcast. Good. Well, you've got a little bit of time because, as I said, next time it's more Twilight Zone. And then after that, it's Blood Quantum. Check it out, everyone, if you want to uh, maybe send some comments on that. And speaking of comments, 
just as we're wrapping up here, there are a few ways to get in touch. You can, you know, visit our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top and send us a message, a voice message, which is fantastic. I love to get those. I love to play them on the show. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead, or you can simply email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Please send in any thoughts you might have on the Twilight Zone, any of the episodes, or even The Walking Dead, or, you know, Blood Quantum, as it's coming up, if you happen to watch it. So, love to receive all that and include it on the show wherever possible. All right, I think that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.